This is Soundmaking, a podcast made by Hogan Stenner and myself, Matthew Schlomovitz. Each episode of Soundmaking features a composer or performer discussing the how and why of music they've created. For this episode of Soundmaking, I spoke with Catherine Lamb, Brian Eubanks and Xavier Lopez. We spoke about Catherine's composition, Wave Forming Astrum, performed on synthesizers by Brian and Xavier. You'll hear the opening 10 minutes of this 70-minute work at the end of the episode. And in the middle of the episode, you'll hear an extract from Natural Realms, a 2021 release by Brian and Xavier's improv duo. We warmly recommend that you check out the rest of these tracks at the links provided. In our chat, I spoke with Brian, Catherine and Xavier about the instruments and equipment used, the collaboration and the structure of the composition. I'm Catherine Lamb. I'm a musician, composer, and I live in Berlin and I'm from uh, Olympia, Washington. Yeah, I'm uh, Xavier Lopez. I'm uh, French, based in uh, Berlin and I'm a keyboardist, a piano player. I'm Brian Eubanks and I'm from the US and... I would classify myself as a as an improviser mostly, but I also compose and I play various instruments, saxophone mostly. that uh, Xavier Lopez and Brian Eubanks and I uh, developed and worked on together um, that was uh, yeah, inspired by a duo that Brian and Xavier have, the electronic duo, and um, we worked on it for a year, is that right? And, um, and we did a few instances of it, uh, and then Newton Armstrong took a recording that Brian and Xavier had made and, and created a binaural mix for us. Yeah, uh, the duo is ongoing. Um, but I think, I guess from around 2000, we probably started playing together 2012 or something. Yeah. And then around 2014, 15, it started to crystallize into this kind of feedback network with tuned pulses and rhythms and everything was based on like a, a, a fundamental we would generate from this this plate and transducer and Xavier programmed like sequences with his keyboard and I had also programmed similar things and we basically just improvised with this kind of pointillistic 
harmonic language and clave, uh, played saxophone, lots of beating tones, like really raw uh, harmonic series improvisation is basically what it was. Everything is um, coded in Super Collider, so we play like with the laptops in, in this um, project. And um, I'm using like a, a MIDI controller, you know, with uh, sliders, knobs, um, uh, and I get the feedback coming from the plate uh, in the computer. From that signal, we can uh, find uh, what's the frequency of the feedback, and the super collider patch uh, generates all the partial that you can after that uh, access the, the keyboard. So yeah, that's my my setup. And uh, for Brian, it's different. Yeah, I I used also super collider based rhythm sequences and basically harmonic series loops. And I controlled this feedback plate that I had used previously for in other things. So it basically just generates with a contact mic and a transducer and a little metal plate attached to it, it becomes the speaker. So wherever the in the in the contact mic had a magnet, so wherever it was attached, it would generate different feedback tones. And it, the timbre matches really perfectly with the soprano. So that was sort of the impetus for it. And then we, I think, yeah, I guess we just wanted to link it somehow. So we, the simplest thing was to share the feedback frequency. And then we based all of our harmonic material off of that. So it was kind of like a, it's kind of a foolproof system, basically. It just, everything works that you play. The group is called, it's not really, it doesn't have a name, but the duo is called Natural Realms. I mean, there is a recording out if you want to hear it. I guess when I was when I would go, listen to to your duo, I felt like there were these shapes that would happen in the in the room that I hadn't quite experienced before. Yeah, sometimes I feel like in electronic uh, performances, you get this very uh, activated kind of um, room space, and I feel like uh, psycho. I mean, like I know a lot of people are interested in psychoacoustics, but it's 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 also psychoacoustics but with the like the shapes between like the two the elemental as, as, yeah the elements that you were that you were working with like very raw you just like pulses harmonic series tones I mean th this is something that um, I don't have a lot in my own work generally are pulses but I feel like there's something with um, electronics that can activate shapes via pulses in a really interesting way and that's what I was hearing in your duo and then I um 
So we tried at first, like, for instance, um, the piece itself follows a really simple structure, but it quickly gets complex because of all the, the layering and it kind of builds on itself, like an aggregate kind of thing where, I mean, it just starts with a one to two relationship. So for instance, um, like Xavier is sounding through one set of speakers and Brian's through the other set of speakers in a live setting. And, um, and so let's say Xavier is emphasizing the one and Brian's emphasizing the two, but then as they, they're pulsing, um, together across the room, then, then you then, then it explodes into the resultants. So then you get the, like the three, the summation tone, the, the difference tone, the, the first common partial, and then that's kind of how the, the piece is built. The piece begins with, um, yeah, the first relationship, the one to two, and the the two of them are are um, taking one one of those elements, just this tonal relationship, and um, that's at the, very, the the fastest speed that it, that is decided, um, which is well for me, it's very rapid, but it's mm. a quick uh, pulse, and then in that first layer, it, it's it gradually slows, and then the next, and and, and the next, it uh, explodes into the the resultants. So you get this kind of cluster, like a star cluster, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then and then the new relationship comes in. Um, so like the three to two, for instance, and then that, um, and then its resultants, and and the first layer is always shifting first. So then it keeps it keeps uh, slowing down. And then also um, they're they're folded um, sine waves, right? The, and and they and the spectrum starts to open. Um, what else happens? The 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 duration they stretch out. They stretch out. Yeah. Some uh, some of the the some of them are oh, omitted. Oh yeah, some of them are omitted. Some of the articulations are omitted. When we uh, perform it live, it's actually very active uh, process. There's a lot of things to. Um, continuously um, uh, adjust uh, we always have to keep uh, track of four different parts that are running on top of each other um, so we are constantly like uh, entering new frequencies um, moving sliders it's non-stop and the level of um, it's yeah it's pretty demanding actually it's we don't have a lot of uh, control on the musicality of it um, as a, you know, uh, an instrumentist would have. We only um, input data and then we uh, um, make all the transition happen. Putting data would uh, mean uh, to uh, realize the score. So we uh, have to uh, enter new notes uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I, th- I think the the score is about like uh, maybe I don't know, like twelve pages or some, something like this. So we actually follow a, a timeline with all the the data are the frequencies, and um, the those frequencies they feed uh, arpeggiators. So once they are running, we are just um, monitoring how they evolve and. Um, uh, making all the transitions in between the different cells. We're looking at computers. No. We're controlling keyboards constantly. We always have to check in with each other constantly through each each chord enters together. 
So there's really a lot of interaction. I don't know if it's that exciting. Sometimes when we we performed it twice this year, right? Yeah. Merit's music, we weren't visible. We were up in the balcony of a church. And the last time we were in front of the audience. And personally, I prefer being out of vision because the audience then experiences the sound. I would say the piece is maybe it's an unusual for me. Um, simply because of the, I mean, it really, I felt like it really came out of a collaboration that like what we were talking about from the beginning, that being inspired by the duo that they have and what can happen from working more with pulses and raw material, raw elements, um, which is something I'm interested in, but I'm, it's usually expressed more like in the acoustic realm. Uh, with instruments, with instrumentalists, and often sustain, but I think it's it's going at the same th- kinds of things. It's just, um, I mean, the main difference is that uh, instead of having to worry about the intonation because it's all like they're entering the frequencies into the computers, but the but then instead there's this. I think the human element is more the trying to stay together and the, and the time about time. So that's maybe the biggest difference that uh, where the emphasis is on time, um, whereas that's usually the more open element in other pieces of mine. This might not be relevant, but on the topic of like it being a collaboration, to me it was one of the more successful things I've been a part of outside of sort of long-term improvised collaborations because we didn't really, there wasn't really, it just blended really perfectly. Like I think we had a, an aesthetic approach we wanted to, push and Kat had uh, her sense of form she could put into it and like this harmonic structure which we weren't approaching at all uh, just intuitively yeah it, it created something neither of us would have made on our own so I find that really interesting because um, I don't think yeah Kat wouldn't have it, it, that's why you ask if it's an anomalous piece because it really has another energy to it we just performed our duo that, quote, inspired it recently, and I was struck by that. Some of the things that really do sound like waveforming, but they're, yeah, they're more crude. I don't know how to put it. They're less, yeah, they're of raw materials. I don't know. The analogy of the stone is the best in the study. You just sort of like carved it out from our thing and made us work a little differently. And, yeah. But one thing I would say, because we were talking earlier about, because um, one thing I was interested in with this piece is um and it's something I've been interested in before but I think this piece maybe gets at it a little bit better because of the nature of the material but um this feeling of um infinite flowering elements that or and I wonder if do you feel this way when you're performing it or or it's something that I um I think is it is kind of doing that more than maybe some of my other pieces or yeah where um or I feel like when I listen, when I'm listening to them perform it or listening back to um, Newton's realization or Newton's uh, mix, there's a, yeah, it's, it's kind of in a way like fugal flowering <laughs> that, and it, and it con- continuous, that there's always a new, a new thing flowering. Thank you. 